The soul is always creative and wants to share its loving. There's no way to stop it. So you might as well surrender. That's the key, is stop trying to control or block the soul's creativity in the expression of its loving. If you can do that, things are going to work out very nicely. In truth, they're working out just wonderfully and perfectly right now. We just happen to be asleep to the divine perfection. It's simply our awareness, our consciousness that is not aware or awake to that perfection. Because guess what? You're alive. Just that fact that you are alive says it all. Because think about it. When the body dies, there's no more expression, is there? It lays stationary. There's no more life in it. It's that soul's expression of loving and creativity that gives the body animation besides giving a life. Because what is life? Isn't it funny? The body is always moving. Or even if the body's not moving and it's still, aren't we still moving inside? All of our thoughts, our fantasies, our feelings. There's always stuff moving. No matter how dense or gross, not as in disgusting gross, but as in gross material-wise, or no matter how subtle or fine that movement or frequency is, such as just a thought passing through. It's still a movement. But even those thoughts that pass through, there's something yet even greater called you, the soul, behind that movement that is giving it life or giving it expression. A thought, just a thought. How do thoughts work? How do they move? It's that source of life itself that is the movement that even gives a thought expression so that it can be experienced in creation. So the soul is loving and creative. Those two simple things. A lot of us actually focus on expressing or developing our creativity. Why are we doing that? Those of you that do focus on that, why do you want to express your creativity? Why are you so concerned with developing your creativity? What is that? Did you ever stop and wonder? Usually you're probably focused on what? What you're creating, your intention in creating this. But why do you even want to create anything to begin with? Why is that so important? And when you don't do that, you notice the difference? Because what? What? Is it simply that you're just not happy unless you're creating? In other words, what's going on inside of you? What is that inner movement, that part of us that just needs to create? The word creativity doesn't work for you? Just do. Why do we always have to be doing something? Take a look. Take a look. It's not just because being creative or expressing yourself makes you feel better. Well, yeah, it makes you feel better. But why? Because in those actions is where we are allowing ourselves to let go of the blocks and the resistances that we place against the soul's natural expression of creativity and loving. It's that simple. That's the big mystery of the universe. Ooh, the mystery schools.
the mysteries that will unlock the keys or the secrets of the universe is simply the soul's creativity and loving to allow it its greater expression, to remove the barriers. But it's often those keys that we're searching for that do unlock the doors or that do remove the barriers to that expression. What do you think our LAF acronyms about? Loving, accepting, forgiving. Laugh, LAF. The keys to the kingdom, right? What do they do? They're keys or tools by which as we begin to practice them or use them, in other words, do something with them, it begins to open those doors within us. That's why we call them keys. To unlock and open the doors, to allow that movement of loving, to allow the creative expression of the soul. That's all it's doing. There's not magic in there unless you call loving magic. It is. Life itself, that's magic. But it's so common and ordinary, we take it for granted, we don't understand it, we're experiencing it all the time, but yet, unless we really give it our attention, we're not really aware of it. And that's what we're doing in meditation, is beginning to give attention to that inner dynamic, creative, loving force that all of creation comes from. That's what we're doing. We are tapping into that. We are opening to that. We are moving our awareness, our knowing into that truth of who we are and what that is. And the more we do that, the greater the opportunity for that loving expression and creativity to show up on every realm of creation. Think about it. Even our physical creativity often comes out of the imagination, right? Something we've envisioned, and then we move it into expression. Same thing with the emotions. There's a movement, there's an expression in there. And of course, the mind, the thoughts, the expression of thoughts, often through words, through writing. It's that we open the doors to spirit, and the more we open the doors to spirit, the more that spirit can live and express through all these different levels within our consciousness. Hence, greater creativity, greater understanding, greater knowing. We tap into that divine potential and give it expression. We often call that just growth and development. But all we're doing is moving within in meditation to awaken to that greater truth of our divinity and then everything else is a byproduct in truth. These greater forms of creativity or expression or knowing or understanding or experiencing are all just part of as we awaken to the greater knowing of who we are, the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. That's it. We're just awakening, expanding our awareness, creating a greater space to allow the divine expression to take place in us and through us and as us, because that's what's really going on. It's so funny. Often when we begin a journey of spiritual awakening, as we begin to tap into that energy, just even in the physical level or just beyond in the level of imagination, all of a sudden we find these greater spurts of creativity, these greater bouts of imagination, 
having new ideas. The light bulb goes off more often. We have bigger life changes, things we've never even thought about before. It's because we are making ourselves open and available to that, that we give it the opportunity. But when that happens, we often think it's some other source, maybe something outside of ourselves, or it's our high self or our subconscious self or something else. Rather than claiming it's who we truly are, the divine who we are, and allowing that greater expression. We give it all these other names, calling it all these other things. And that's fine to do that because, you see, we're all at just different levels of understanding or awareness of what it is that's truly taking place. And there are all these different parts of ourselves. And that's fine. Don't ever stop short. Keep going. Keep awakening to yet more and more of the selves until you awaken to the divine self. And even there, don't stop. You can't stop. That's where I began with. The soul is creative and loving, and you can't stop it because that's who you are. That's who we all are. There's no way to stop it. It's for eternity. It's impossible to stop the soul's loving, creative action. It's all the other stuff that we have simply learned, been trained into, believed, wanted, desired, expected, judged, feared. It's all that other stuff that the soul has, in a sense, moved into that blocks the greater knowing. That's it. Simple, simple. So as the soul is living through this consciousness, through the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body, it has the awareness of all these levels of consciousness because that's where its focus is. In that focus, it brings life and expression to all these other levels of consciousness, all the other selves that are part of this world of time and space. And so the soul gives it life, gives it expression. That's the creative action. The creativity of the soul is giving life and expression to even the mind, the emotions, and the body. There's creativity right there. That's way more than making a pretty picture or writing a nice poem. It's pretty amazing, the creativity of giving life to this consciousness. But as the soul focuses in and gives it life, it gets caught up in it. And over time, just like we do in this life, how many of us remember when we were one years old, two years old, three years old, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve? And if you do, how much do you remember? And if we want to go beyond just this life, talk about reincarnation and lifetime after lifetime, if you start looking at that, doesn't it begin to make sense that we kind of forget about our divinity because we've been so busy, so caught up, so focused into this physical expression? And in that creative action, well, the soul's got a responsibility as it moves something into expression and gives it life. The responsibility is to now have the experience 
of that which we've created. Because it's through the creation that we have the experience that brings the soul to the greater knowing and understanding of this realm of time and space. That aspect, often called Lucifer, the devil, that we simply know is the Lord of reflection or another quality or aspect of God. Just another aspect of God. We're having the experience so that we, the soul, another part of God, in this experience of another part of God, come to know God in the greater fullness. The soul's journey of awakening, of experience, is to awaken to our own divinity and all of God's creation, all of God's creation, including time and space, where we find ourselves presently, as well as other creations. It's all a wonderful divine journey of experience. So while we're here in this land of reflection, that through our creativity, we create in the creation we get to experience, to understand and know this aspect of God, often called karma. And then we get on a spiritual journey and we hear all these words about balancing our karma, clearing our karma, getting free of our karma, liberating the soul. These are all expressions of simply fulfilling our creativity in this creation. That which we've created, we are responsible to, and that responsibility, we will take the creation to the fulfillment, to have the experience and awaken to the knowing and understanding of this creation. And as we do, the learning's complete, so the karma gets complete, gets cleared, gets done, gets balanced out, lesson learned. Karma over. So that experience of the soul's creativity by giving it life through its loving is complete. So now what? Well, then we're on to another creation. We create something new. And then we create something new. But the problem is, I think all of us have gotten so busy multitasking (laughs) that we've gotten a little bit scattered. Find ourselves overwhelmed challenge to keep up with all of our creations. Finding it hard to even learn one lesson because we've got so many lessons going on at the same time, we get distracted, we're not completing anything. So we often, even in our physical lives here, what? Try to simplify, right? Let go of things, do less. So it's easier to focus on one thing at a time or only a few things so that we can get the job done, so we can learn the lesson. Yeah, that's part of the journey. Well, when we do that in this world, it's an outer reflection of something we're doing within ourselves because that part of us knows that in order to wake up to the greater divinity and get the freedom from our karma, we need to have a greater focus so that we learn the lessons, take responsibility for our creations, bring them to completion so that we free ourselves. And we keep doing that over and over, all these lifetimes, creating, 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 all these different things. But little by little, when it's time, whether we're just plain bored, we're sick and tired, or 
we begin to hear the inner call where God begins to call us home, to call us awake, to return back to the spiritual kingdom from which we've left and entered into this kingdom of time and space, that at some point in every soul's journey, there's going to be that turning now of where we begin to look away from the creation of down and out into the physical manifestation of our creativity and now begin to bring that creative expression of loving out of the world and now back into spirit. That's the simplicity of this journey. That's what we're doing in a very simplistic way is simply taking all that creative loving we've put into the world and given life to all these things we call our karmas or our lessons. And through loving and through meditation, now here's the key, through meditation, what do we always say? Inwards and upwards to the seat of the soul, the spiritual center above the material physical expression, and then always upwards towards spirit, towards God's, towards the divine. And as we do that in meditation, as we, and what do we always say in meditation when we lead it into, what are we doing? Sharing our loving with God. So in other words, if we're sharing our loving with God, well then we're taking that loving that we have been expressing into the world and now taking it out of the world and now sharing it up with spirit. Simple. That's what we're doing in meditation, is simply taking the expression of our loving from down and out into the creation, to inwards and upwards, back to the divine. That's why you hear me often say you get what you focus on. So the more you do this, the more you get spirit. The more you focus in the world, the more you get of the world. Simple action. But this is how it works. To come to fulfillment, to free ourselves of the karmas that we've created, is simply now turning that loving expression back towards God. And literally, we're taking that life force out of the creation so it dies off, it drops away, we get free of it, detached, liberated, and now taking all that loving that gave these creations out here life. And now, instead of creating more, because we could, we could take that loving and put it into something else in the world. Oh, another creative project. Watch out. Remember I was saying earlier, if you're really focused on creativity and developing your creativity, that's great. But also you can create a lot more karma by having a lot more projects in the world. So if you are looking truly of this path to sound and light, and the purpose of that is for the soul's return home to God. So in order to truly live this pathway, of you bringing your soul home to God is learning how to do that. And the simple of learning how to do that is simply to begin to direct your loving towards God rather than into the world. It's that simple. That's all we're doing in meditation is beginning to focus our loving on God. And the more we can do that, and you talk about a creative action, there's no greater creative action that we could do than loving God. Because in loving God, in truth, there are no barriers or boundaries. In this world, there's plenty of barriers and boundaries 
walls of separation that limit us from expressing that loving. But in spirit, with God, there's no limitations. No limitations, no boundaries. So before starting on the next creative project, consider your next project is meditation to begin to create that greater expression of loving with God that you may begin to find your greater freedom beyond the karmas you've created in this world. Simply directing your attention towards that which you seek to experience because that's where the greater fulfillment is. Think about it. You go back to what I was saying earlier with your creativity and how you seek to do something because it brings you happiness, some type of fulfillment. But then what happens once the project's done? Well, for a moment it may be peaceful, enjoyment, acknowledgement, but then it's done. Then it's done. Then what? You start looking at another project. Look to meditation as your next project because that fulfillment is one that keeps going, that never ends. It never ends. But this is a lot of how this works. If you find yourself having a hard time finding time to do the meditation, hopefully today might help explain some of that. Because it's all these things we've created in the world that are always calling on us to spend time, to give time. That's how they stay alive. That's how we, as we put them in motion and created them, keep them going. And if we remove that attention we give it, the time we give it, it's going to drop away. Just like any relationship in the world, whether it's a person or a job or a project, as I was saying, we give it time so it has life. But then when we stop giving it time and attention, no more life. It's no longer part of our lives. That's what this is. So if you want more spirit, then you need to give it the time and the attention just like any other creative project you would. But then you get what goes with it. Loving, peace, joy, acceptance, freedom, liberation, fulfillment, understanding, knowing, awakening, understanding, expansion, abundance, greater life. So think about this the next time you find yourself looking to express your creativity, to express your loving, because you can't stop it. And if you try to stop it, if you try to stop expressing your loving or your creativity, we all know what happens. It backs up. We go into disturbance, into dis-ease, into upset, anger, hurt, pain, all these different things. That's what happens. So find the greater expression of loving. It's so funny, even on a physical level, I remember years ago when I couldn't afford medical things for my health if I started getting sick, I'd spend hours just meditating. And the more I did that and moved into loving and letting go of all the disturbance inside of me, all of a sudden my health would come to a better balance and whatever was beginning inside of me, whether it was a cold or flu or whatever, would all of a sudden drop away and would actually move into a full-fledged illness because I was not feeding that which was creating it. 
us taking that which I was giving life to what was creating the dis-ease or the imbalance and now giving it back to God. So as I remove the life out of it, that disease or illness starts to drop away. Just like any relationship in this world, as I was saying a moment ago, as we stop feeding it, it drops away. So begin feeding the spirit. It's so funny to even say that, because you are the spirit. How can you feed yourself with who you are? You're not actually feeding. You're just moving into your divine beingness. It is you who feeds everything else. You're the one doing the feeding by your creativity. You are a powerful creator. Even in the littlest ways, in a lot of our creations are unconscious because we've created them so long ago we forgot we created them. And part of when we enter into this action of meditation, of waking up and returning back into spirit, we will pass through a lot of those memories or those origin points, the seeds of our creation where it began, often called the seeds of karma. That's part of the journey. Even if it was lifetimes ago, and it's still here with us today because we have not fulfilled it yet, as we seek to return to the divine, then we will pass through all these things. You've heard the phrases like burning the seeds of karma. It's what we're doing. As we move into that loving in greater and greater ways, that loving, as it completes these karmas, as we learn the lessons, and spirit can often look, sound, or feel like a flame burning something. But it's very different. In the body and consciousness, it can actually create a heat. Many of you have felt that before, where you get really warm. It is. It's that flame of the divine dissolving the karmic seeds of our creations. That's what happens in meditation. As we liberate the soul through the action of loving and meditation, it dissolves the karmas through loving. A wonderful laugh acronym, loving, accepting, and forgiving. Those are the actions that unfold as we go within, seeking to return back to God. It all unfolds. In truth, even though we share about LAF in here often, everything we need happens right in our meditation and focusing on that sacred name of God and simply being in the loving. But you see, for the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body, it's often hard to hold that focus because it doesn't give them much to do. We need to know what's going on, right? What's going on? Give me some information. Give the mind something to do. So if we can focus the mind on loving our creations, accepting ourselves and all that we've created, and forgiving ourselves and our creations, it gives us another way for the other selves to participate so that they come into alignment. And as the other selves of our consciousness come into alignment, it assists in opening the doors in our consciousness to allow that loving of the soul in and through us on every level, every realm, so that those lessons or karmas can be fulfilled. Because it's the loving that fulfills it. That's us, the loving that fulfills it. 
But we've got to bring ourselves into everything fully to fulfill it. And it's the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body that will limit the loving and stop the fulfillment. What you see as we begin to answer that inner calling to return back to the divine, we begin to answer the call by going within to begin to learn and practice meditation and loving God and opening to receive God's loving, that through that all this gets fulfilled. It all gets handled. It truly is a simple pathway, a path of freedom and liberation. Where really it's more about letting go rather than trying to do more. It's really doing less. If there's anything you're doing more of, it's loving. You're doing more loving by letting go and allowing a greater expression to manifest and move in you and through you. And that's what brings the fulfillment. It's not through the mind understanding our karma, figuring things out, getting it, or having emotional experience or expressing our emotions, or fantasizing the best outcome of things, or doing or not doing physically. Sometimes we'll do something physically, thinking it's going to fulfill the karma, and it's creating more, right? And other times we're afraid of creating more karma, so we don't do physically, so we actually avoid and hold back fulfilling, right? Anybody go through that? You find yourself now locked up inside, not sure what to do because you don't want to create more karma, but also you want to move forward and do something, but you're going crazy inside. Yeah, that's what the mind does. We're all bipolar. This is the realm of polarity. North, south, east, west, left, right. That's it. Isn't that funny? Even in the brain, there's two lobes in there. Left hemisphere, right hemisphere. Yeah. Magnetism, positive, negative. That's what does it. So as long as we focus into that, all it's going to do is keep it going. That's why we want to focus above, to rise above the polarity into the oneness, the spirit that is one. Rise above the polarity of magnetism. And in that is the freedom. Because magnetism holds things together here. But if you rise above it and awaken to your soul, which is more neutral, then as you live in that, you're not participating in the polar magnetics, so that discharges or releases the energy, releases the karma. That's why you've experienced this in meditation where sometimes you may be meditating and all of a sudden you feel something pop or hear like a loud crashing sound or feel this great movement or flooding of energy through you. It can manifest in a lot of ways. That often in that movement of loving, of neutrality, it's that movement of neutral energy that all of a sudden demagnetizes the polarization where we've been attached and caught up. And all of a sudden as it is demagnetized and releases, we feel all of a sudden that movement of the release. Sometimes we go, oh my God, what was that? And other times we go, oh my God, that's awesome. It's done. I've let it go. So pay attention to those. I know many of you have already experienced that, but that's a lot of what's going on. 
Then we think it's something magical and metaphysical and mystical and like, wow, it is. But it's very simple, actually, what's going on. It is magic. But there's also something very scientific, spiritually, of how things move in a very natural way. The natural movement of spirit, not the law of the land, the law of karma, but the natural movement of grace, of loving, detachment. That's what it does. Loving detaches us. As we detached, we're no longer feeding the polarity, so it drops away. It's us, though, that releases it. It doesn't release us. It's going to hang on for dear life because it's getting life from us. So we've got to be the ones to let go. And as we let go, we free ourselves. But you see, the mind will try to figure this stuff out like I'm talking about right now and thinking, well, yeah, okay, now if I can do that, you got this all figured out now just from this conversation today, you think you're going to go demagnetize yourself from everything and just float off, right? Unfortunately, the mind can't do it. The mind will play the game making you believe that you can do that. And it's another great game to keep you caught up and focused here. To play now the game of freeing myself, of demagnetizing myself from this realm of polarity in my karmas. The mind can't do it. It is only you, the soul, that can do it. So in order to do it, you simply have to focus on the soul, wake up to the soul, live the soul, the truth of who you are, not what you believe or thought you were and all these levels of expression, but the truth of who you are that is unconditional loving and neutral. You've got to wake up and live that in order to set yourself free. So you've got to rise above the mind, rise above the games. Even once you get it figured out, let go of that which you figured out. Because now that which you figured out will keep you trapped. Because then you'll become righteous, thinking you know it now. And maybe you do. But if you stay stuck in that you know it now and you've got it, you're stuck. Who cares if you know it all now? You're still stuck. So don't worry about if you got it figured out or if you know it, or you don't know it. Just keep going for the loving. Keep going for the awakening. Keep living the soul. It's the only way. It's the only way. So that's the journey. That's all we have to do. It's a simple one. Just awaken to the soul of who you are. That's it. As you awaken to the soul of who you are, all this other stuff I've been talking about and a whole lot more just takes care of itself. It just takes care of itself. All Jim and I are doing here is helping to give understanding of the process that unfolds as you walk the spiritual pathway of awakening. Because as you begin to have that understanding here and as you walk it, as you go through the experiences, You'll relax into it more. You'll let it unfold. It's often the fear of the unknown that will keep us caught. 
will be afraid to move forward. So if you hear the words, hear the information, there's a part of you that knows so that as it unfolds in that greater knowing, you can let go of any fear of the unknown. Know that you're going to be safe and secure and everything's perfect. You're in God's hand, literally. And you're just in a journey now of awakening to know that for yourself. Beyond the words. Beyond the words. That you awaken and know it yourself. So we're just simply sharing the way to do that. The way out is in. I think that's been a phrase passed around out there. The way out is in. To go within. Go into the spirit though. Go into the spirit. When we go into meditation, as a focus at the seat of the soul, we're not going into the body. That's just a physical reference point of where the spirit resides in this physical creation. So go into the spirit at the seat of the soul. Don't go into your head. Go into the spirit that resides right here. I always like to say if you've ever seen pictures of saints from old or even like the one we have up here on the wall, See the big halo around their head? That's the soul. Go into the soul. So if, if you need to focus even above the physical area of the forehead here, focus there. Because the soul is not of the body. It is not physical. So even though we focus up here, it is not a physical thing. Remember that. Otherwise, you're going to go studying now all the chakra system and all the meridians and the chi life force, thinking that's going to make you spiritual and liberate you. It ain't going to do shit to liberate your soul. Now, what it can do is give you wonderful understanding and amazing, let's just call it healing ability or balancing ability of the physical life force. And you can do wonderful things, maybe for yourself or other people, but it's not going to do anything to awaken the soul of who you are and to liberate the soul from its karmas. It may help liberate the soul from physical disease, but it's not going to liberate the soul from the karma. It's important to remember. And that's not against anything of alternative or holistic health because I'm a big fan and I participate. I'm just trying to lay things out. You don't kid yourself, because a lot of people do. Spirit is spirit. Physical is physical. Emotional is emotional. Imagination is imagination. The mind is the mind. Honor it for what it is, and don't make it something else. Because that's how you'll kid yourself, keep yourself led astray. Be honest and truthful to yourself. And then you'll find yourself participating in Anything and everything exactly you need, not only for your physical health or your emotional health or your mental health, but for all of it and your soul's awakening. Not your soul's health, nothing to do with health. It's awakening, it's knowing, it's living the greater truth of who you are. And so the journey, yes, we're going to go through all these things with the body, all the things with the imagination, the emotions, and the mind, the unconscious, the subconscious. That's a journey that the soul is moving through, and understand that. It's a journey. Participate. Love it all. 
because it is a soul that is loving and the more you love all the journey, the more you awaken to the loving that you are and then the soul gets free. But the ultimate road to freedom is within in meditation, not by always looking out into the world, not by creating something new in the world, by looking within and creating that path of loving within you and focusing your loving back up to your own soul and to God, now moving into the fulfillment of that. And enjoy all the rest. Enjoy it all. Even the negativity, even the imbalance, even the dis-ease and the disturbance. That's the funny thing. When you really learn to live the loving and love even the disturbance is when you really get your greater freedom. And that's often the biggest challenge. But if you're up for it and you do it, you're going to find the greater liberation and the joy and the spiritual awakening where truly you, the soul, merge once again into the very heart of God and you know it. Consciously, fully awakened aware. All right. Well, my meditation was a very interesting and fun and kind of a nice memory. Back when I turned 20 years old on May 2nd, 1969, just a couple of days ago, (laughs) I was in my meditation, and in the meditation I went into a a very profound experience that really had a great power of moving me in a different direction than what I was moving into, and gave me a lot of insight and awareness as to just how to live my life and how I was living my life. And the way it played out is all of a sudden I found myself on a stage. And I was sitting on this stage all by myself. There was nobody else on the stage. And there were all these parts to the play that were going to be played on the stage. And so I, I wondered, I thought, oh my gosh, am I in this play? Do I have a part to play? So nobody was around and I kept trying to figure it out and I thought, well, I'll just look and see what the play is about. I'll look at what's here and, and maybe see if I see my name anywhere in here. So I began to, to look, and it was every part was separated in the script. And so one was a brother, and one was a son, and one was this, and one was that. And so I began to look at all the parts, and I thought, gosh, I wonder what part I would play. What, what am I going to be playing here? And so nobody still came on the stage, so I thought, well... I'll kind of look at the different ones and see if I can pick one that I would want to play. So I opened up one, and it was Sun, and I started looking at it. And as I was reading it, it had all these definitions. It was like telling you what your character was going to be if you were to be this character in the play. It wasn't a script as this is the role you're going to be playing and here's the things you're going to be saying on stage. So as I was reading down, I was going golly, some of these things sound like what my mom and dad have said to me. Some of these things sound like what I say to myself. Some of these are what you know I've learned at school or at church that I'm supposed to be like as a son. And here it is all right here in the script. It's interesting. But I didn't think much about it. I put it aside and I thought, well, let me look at this one. And it was a friend. So I started opening it up and looking through it. I'm going, my goodness, these are all the definitions and my challenges of what I go through as a friend, I can see this is really going to be a really good play because these are really good characters. They're real. So opened up another one and opened up another one. And all of a sudden I realized that 
each line was not just written by the same hand, it was written by different hands. I was kind of looking at that and I went back and looked at the others and, and all of a sudden I realized, well, you know, if I were to swear to it, I would say that that looks like my mother's writing right there. You know, that, that looks like my writing. You know, that looks like my brother's writing or whatever. And I realized that all of a sudden I was looking at definitions that I had taken in and accepted as my own that other people had given me. And I went, oh my God, this is a play about me. These are all the different parts that I play on this stage of my life. All these different parts, and they were all separated, one from the other. They weren't intermingled. And as I was going through this stack, I got very interested in it because I thought, oh my God, this is about me. I better pay attention. Before I thought, oh, well, I'm going to be in a play. I, I didn't know in what way, but I thought this was going to be fun. But now it was a revelation. It was revealing to me something about myself that maybe I didn't know or maybe I needed to know. So as I kept going down, looking at all these different parts, there was one that I came across, which was employee. And I went, whoa. And there was hardly anything in it. All these others, some were pretty good stacks of paper with definitions and statements and whatever. But this employee stack of character had very little to it. And I stopped and I remember pausing at that moment and going, why is this so less than all the others? And I realized, my gosh, I've only been working for two years. I've been going to school all the other time. So maybe I haven't gotten enough from everybody as to what I'm supposed to be. And so I put that aside and I finally got down to the very last one. And it said, who I am. And I remember seriously sitting there on the stage going, who I am what? You know, like son, brother, friend, what? Who am I what? I picked it up and I just kept pondering, who am I what, you know, for a minute. And I opened it up and it was all these statements of who I am as a child of God, as a spiritual being, as a loving being, all these different statements. As I looked, all of a sudden I realized some of it was, again, in my writing and some of it was on other script. But it wasn't my mom's, it wasn't my dad's, it wasn't any hand that I could relate to at all. And I wondered, I remember sitting there wondering, gosh, I wonder if this is the hand of God, that he wrote this about me, and this is something I need to pay attention to. I read that for a while, and then I looked at all these different scripts I had all laid out on the floor. It felt like it was getting time to bring this to a close. So I remember I started trying to stack them in the order that I had found them. Who am I on the bottom? And then all these other things on top. And I went, wait a minute. If I'm the characters of all the, on this play, and I'm all the characters, I want it stacked the way I want it. I don't want it stacked the way it was. So I put who am I on top. And then I arranged it according to how I felt I understood my beingness, myself, all the way down. And then I sat there for a minute and I went, wait a minute. I don't want to still have to live all these characters. So I took the Who Am I file and I put it on one side and I put all the others on another. And I said, so I've got a choice. Which characters am I going to play? And I decided to just do the Who Am I and to just dismiss all the others as best I could. And I remember 
that day was a very challenging day. Here it was, my 20th birthday, supposed to be much more celebration than normal. And yet I had a very challenging day because all these other characters that I normally just play in my life without ever thinking about it kept coming up and trying to take dominion. No, I should be at the top of the pile. I'm the one you should be living. I mean, it was just right in my face. My brother was in my face about what I was supposed to be as a brother in an amazing way because of what he was going through in his life at the moment, going through divorce and and all of that. It was just a process all the way through. And even as an employee, that day my boss was all over me. I could not do anything right. I remember thinking, I don't have enough definition in my book. I've got to go back and read and fill in the the blanks because he hasn't told me all this before. It was an amazing day, and then I came home and I sat down and I went, what was this about? And I remember inside picking up that who am I script again, that character, and realizing, I just want to be this. I think if I can be who I am truly, I can be who I am in all these other parts. The people out here don't have to know that I'm just living one script. But I know I'm just going to live one script. I'm not going to live the son and the definition of that and the brother and the definition of that and the friend and the definition of that and the lover and the definition of that and all these different things. For years, I had to keep choosing, no, I'm doing it this way. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be the loving being. I'm going to be the forgiving being. I'm going to be the accepting being. I'm going to be the joyful one. I'm going to be whatever but I'm not going to live these definitions that people have given me or that I've created for myself of what I'm supposed to be in this particular setting. And I still do that today. There's this part of me that thinks, well, I'm supposed to do it this way because this is the way they expect it or the way that the world has defined it. And I don't. I do the best I can just to always be the same in whatever I do with anybody at any time. And the biggest challenge for me has always been being honest with myself, being true to myself. It's much easier to bring it out into the world and do it out here than it is with yourself, but it begins here. If you can do it here with you, then you can live yourself into the world in a very loving, joyful, peaceful way. And it's a lot easier to have one script, one definition, one sense of being, one character to play in the world throughout all time here in this body than having all these different parts and go, okay, well, now what am I with them? Oh, well, they're my friend, but they want me to be a brother right now. Okay, so I'm a friend and I'm a brother. Oh, now I've got to be the counselor. Okay, well, I'm a friend and a brother and a counselor. Well, it's easier just to be the loving being, the soul. Then there's no parts to play, no definitions to switch back and forth to, and life gets simpler. And that's what this pathway is about. It's about living life simply, finding that simple way to live your life. The simple way. And the simple way is to be true to you. But to be true to you, you've got to connect to you. You've got to go inside and find out, well, who am I really? Who am I really? And let go of all the definitions that the world has placed on you 
that go of all the definitions that you've built up around yourself and who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be and start living the truth of who you are. But connect first to that truth. And how do you do that? It's go inside. Because your truth of who you are is not in the world. It's not out here. And there's a lot of books out there that say, well, I can show you who you are. I can teach you who you are. I can bring you to that place of who you are. All these self-help books, and they do help in many ways, but they do not really reveal the true you. The true you is only revealed inside by going inside and connecting to that place where the true you resides at the seat of the soul. Connecting back here to that place where the truth of you really is begins the process of unfolding. Unfolding to the greater expression and experience of life in its fullest essence and letting go of all those things that the world has put upon you. It's like somebody has taken a big stack of sticky notes and written all these definitions and just stuck them all over you and you're trying to live all of them at once. Or sometimes you're living this row over here and now you're living this row over here. But it's all given to you from the outside. And it doesn't even go inside to really be a fulfilling experience because they're just stuck on you. What we want to do is take all those definitions away and find out what remains. And what you're going to find that remains is one thing, that you are the living, loving essence of the Lord. You are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That's the script of who am I. That's the role that you truly will find the peace, the joy, the happiness of life if you begin to live it. And the nice thing is, when you begin to live it, you begin to live a fullness. You live in your strength. You live in your loving. You live in your peace. You live in your truth. And you know it. You're not living other people's truths that have been placed on you. You're living your own. And when you can do that, and when you are doing that, then you truly are going to find the fulfillment that you want. And yes, there's still going to be challenges in the world. People are still going to come up and say, well, but you're not doing it right. This is how you're supposed to be. I need you to be this way, not what you're doing. You're supposed to support my weaknesses. You're supposed to take care of me and nurture me because I, I deserve it. Or whatever it is that they do. If you live the loving, maybe they won't get it in the moment. Maybe they'll walk away from you in frustration or anger or separation. But very soon after that, if they are paying attention, they will be coming back for more of the loving. They will come back because that's what they're really longing for. They want that truth. They want the loving. They want the understanding. They want the caring that truly resides in the loving. And they want the honesty. It's amazing if you have a friend in your life, whether it be a husband or wife, a mate, a partner, a child, a friend, who is really honest with you. If you have that in your life, you know what I'm talking about. That honesty is everything. But how does that honesty come about? 
One, by you being honest with yourself. Be honest with you. And you will draw honesty to you. You will draw those people that are honest with themselves to be with you so that you can share in that honesty together. And you build together an honest relationship in the world and inside. That's not easy to do. Not everybody wants honesty. Do I look fat in this dress? (laughs) Well, no, no, of course not. (laughs) If you lose 20 pounds. (laughs) You know, it is really challenging sometimes to be honest because we don't want to hurt people. Or it's hard for them to be honest with us because they think, well, I don't want to hurt them. So what's wrong with a little white lie? Well, when we lie to another, we're really lying to ourselves. And when we allow others to lie to us, we begin to live the lie. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. And be honest as you can in the world. Now, you may not be able to walk up to your boss and say, when he asks, well, what do you think of me? Well, (laughs) at that moment, you may have to learn to be very diplomatic with your words and how you put it across, to get your honesty across. But it can be done. I had that happen one time. Almost very soon after I had this whole thing with the script, the wife of the owner of the business, she was the accountant for the the store, she came up to me and one day we were having coffee on a coffee break and she said, Honestly, what do you think of me? What do you, you know, you've known me now for a couple of years. What do you think of me? What is your impression of me? Whoa. <laughs> Never had anybody ask me that before. And here's somebody who I hardly know. I only know her these hours of a day, a week, for two years, and don't know her outside the store at all, asking me that. And something inside, because of what I had just done with all these scripts not too long ago, said, okay, so let's say it. And so I just said, well, this is my impression. This is my feeling with you right now, but I don't know you that well. And maybe there's more things for me to know than just this. And so I shared with her. And I shared with her a lot of the good qualities I saw. And and I saw some of the weaknesses. And I shared them with her. I kind of like freaked myself out when I was all of a sudden (laughs) saying them. But it was like, okay, well, I'll go find another job. (laughs) And she looked at me and she had a little tear running out. And she said, thank you. I've never had anybody be honest with me before and really tell me. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear about my weaknesses because nobody will ever tell me anything except this or that because I'm the wife of the boss or I'm the wife of the man who has the money or whatever. She said, thank you. I actually kidded with her as we went back to work. I said, so I haven't lost my job, have I? She said, no, no, I'm going to work for a raise. (laughs) So, you know, you never know what honesty is going to bring. And if it loses a friendship, it loses a friendship. I've had that too. I've had people walk away from me, just disgusted with me, angry with me. One of my best friends for years, from fourth grade, And all of a sudden, one day, when I was 23, 24 years old, we were talking, and 
He said, no, no, Jim, be honest with me. You're not being honest. Be honest with me. So I did. Whoa, he didn't like it. Did not want to hear it at all. He walked out that door, never said a word to me, just walked out that door, never responded to my calls. When we saw each other at a theater one time, he got up at the theater with his girlfriend and left rather than stay and watch the movie. And she, I heard her walk by and she's going, why are we leaving? Well, well what happened? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> and it, well, I'm sure it was just because I walked in and sat down not too far from them. But years later, he called me one day and he says, can we get together and have lunch? I've got some things I want to share with you. And so we got together and he said, first, I want to apologize. And I want to ask you for forgiveness. And he said, second, I want to thank you. You were severely honest with me that day and I didn't want to hear it. But every time I got into disagreements, every time I was getting hurt by another person, Every time something went wrong in my life, those words that you shared with me came up. And all of a sudden I realized that because I wasn't being honest with myself, all these things I was living falsely was coming back on me and attacking me. And I've really had to work to become a different person. And I want you to know I thank you very much for all you said. And I'm sorry for what I did. And can we be friends? Well, we're friends today. He calls maybe once a week from San Antonio, and we still talk. So be honest as best you can, but first with yourself. First with yourself. If it doesn't start here, then it's false, and it's not honesty. And honesty begins in loving you. Love yourself. Love every part of yourself. Love those parts of yourself that you hate. Love them. Because some of those are your best qualities. Oh my God. That's an awful thought, isn't it? <laughs> but they are. Those are some of your greatest strengths if you only would apply them differently. Rather than judge them and suppress them, bring them forward and say, wow, okay, let's see how this works if I apply it, if I live it rather than judge it and suppress it. You might find you've got greater strength and ability and character and quality in you than you've ever imagined. And it all begins by loving yourself and being honest with yourself. And then see what reveals. And like Brian was sharing earlier about polarity, well, we will draw to ourselves that which we are living. If we are living our negativity, we are going to draw others to us to support our negativity. Have you ever found that in your life? Well, if you're living your loving and you're living your truth and you're living your honesty, my God, you're going to draw people of like nature to you. And you can support each other in that. And there'll be people that want to join your clique and there'll be other people who go, oh, don't ever get with them. They're just so honest and loving. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> and you go, okay, well, that's good. And you just enjoy your life. So if you ever find yourself on a stage and a stack of characters are on that stage and all of a sudden you realize you're playing all the characters of the play, it's a one-man play, a one-woman play, figure out which character you really want to play and just play it. 
and you'll be a lot happier. No matter what it is, just pick out one. It makes life simpler. The one I would recommend is go to that one that is the who am I, that is loving, that is caring, that is nurturing, that is spiritual, and that is soul. And then all the others just rewrite themselves to go along with that character that you're now being. 